Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here at the Milk Talk Podcast. I'm Jack Stroman, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Warner Williams, Goey Mbima, and Jessica Corrado-Platt. We all graduated from a private boarding school that was founded by the chocolate mogul, Milton Snavely Hershey, and his wife, Catherine. In this show, we'll be talking with some of the former students, their family members, and loved ones, in addition to former employees, teachers, and administrators who all worked there at some point in time. We'll get to hear their stories in their own words, and it's our hope and wish that you'll hear something in these stories that you can relate to, whether you went to the school or not. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever Milton Hershey, or better yet, Milt's podcast. We are going to be talking to and with uh, former students, maybe some current, but mostly former students of Milton Hershey School. We call ourselves Milts. And uh, I'm sitting here today with Mr. Agoe and Bima, my old head, also known as my big brother. Not much, not much. Glad to have you here. Um, we're here with Justin from East Eastside Podcast and Ben from Everything <laughs> Media Bureau. Philadelphia Independent Film Festival. Um, so thank you, gentlemen, for working with us here and being here. Um, we're going to jump right into it. I was showing everybody some stuff that I wrote a long time ago uh, about this project and who we are and why we think our story is so interesting to people, um, obviously to each other because we experienced it. But I think there's a lot of relatability Um if that's the word but it was good though. it, it was good how I, I flew right through it <laughs> it worked it was it, like spaghettios you know what it I mean worked. <laughs> it worked no but in our story so. there's people can see themselves um one of the things i always say about the milk is it was like being uh in the military jail <laughs> and college wrapped in one you better believe it yeah what do you think listen man i remember when we would get those little breaks and people would be like yo you home like you back, like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm home. Like, but I also felt like I'm home. Yeah, I'm back. Like, but I'm only on pass. I gotta, you know, I gotta go right back. I gotta so roll out. Can you make me a plate? Right, and, I'm a- <laughs> and I gotta bounce. You know, I'm on short time. So I'm I'm gonna read this thing and then I'm gonna ask uh, a goey to read it too, and then we're gonna get back into some conversation. Um, this might not make a lot of sense to you because as a goey said, it looks like it was written it five different times a day, and it was, so um, bear with me. So this project is an honest and in-depth perspective of and from former students at Milton Hershey School, a tuitionless private boarding school with a multi-billion dollar endowment. Um, It's been functioning for over 100 years, and the school was founded and funded by the chocolate mogul Milton Snavely Hershey and his wife, Catherine Sweeney Hershey. Uh, While the school's original students were poor, healthy white male orphans between 8 and 18, they've expanded their range of uh, acceptance over the years. Today's students are pre-K to 12, um, and not only different ranges in age, but ethnic backgrounds, uh, as you'll see or you'll hear in this podcast. Um, We're going to speak with generations of milts, as we finally refer to ourselves. Uh, Much has been done about the school and its current students and staff uh, and now we're going to be hearing from the people who experienced the school, uh, whether you had a family member who went to boarding school, somebody who was enlisted in the military, maybe a, a brother or sister who went away to college, or maybe you knew somebody who was incarcerated. You'll be able to relate to this podcast and hear some stories that will speak to you. Um, something special happens when you leave the comfort of your home and go away and live with complete strangers. 
You leave that experience with new bonds and new stories. If you're lucky enough, new friends and family. So contrary to that reading, I actually did get an education in Milton Hershey School, so <laughs> I can write a little bit better than that. And, and, and obviously this was originally going to be, at one point, it was, this was going to be a book, this was going to be a documentary, it was going to be a movie. And so that where we're at now with the podcast, uh, just for me, and the goey has been riding me and Warner's been on me for a while talking about this, it was like, there's never the perfect story that covers everybody. Everybody has their own individual story. So that's why this podcast is interesting, um, potentially. So I'm going to stop there and I'm going to ask you, tell me your Milton Hershey story. Sum it up. Like when, you, when, some, when somebody comes up to you and they're like, well, what's a milk? What, what are you talking about? What, how do you sum it up? Now I have something I prepared that I wrote. And I may have to read that just because I don't want to go on and on and on. You know, I, I actually first. Go. Can you tell the people your full name, what class you're in? I, I need the whole rundown. Give All right, so the whole name. rundown. My name is Agoe V Umbima, affectionately known as V. Or I got a whole bunch of other names: Midnight, Darkness, you know, Blackness, all that kind of dark stuff. I'm I'm a I'm a dark dude. It's all good. Um. So, we got to take this back to the late '70s, early '80s. And I was running amok. I was running amok in Philadelphia. And my mother said to me one day, mark my words, if you don't get this together, I'm going to do something drastic. Me being a young kid, didn't really pay attention to what she was saying to me. So one day we took a very long trip. It seemed like forever seen all these cows on the highway and we went and this guy started asking me all these questions of common sense questions. Had me in this little room, little did I know that was an IQ test to see if I would test high enough. And fortunately for me, I I was able to test high enough to get me into the school. So I'll never forget the day my aunt worked at at Gimbel's. What year are we talking? 80, 1980. And my mom, my aunt came with all these clothes, brand new clothes from Gimbel's. Mom took me to the store, got me a pair of brand new Adidas top tens. I said, I'm winning. Because I was like, why am I getting, they would never buy me top tens. So anyway, I get all this stuff. And then my mom, my grandfather, and a couple close family members, we all jumped in the car. So you knew something was happening. And I'm like, and they, and they took all this brand new clothes that they have given me, you know, brand new socks, t-shirts, underwear. And I was like, wait a minute. I still wasn't up on things. So here we go back on that road again. And next thing I know, my mom is like, they take me to student home Tuscarora with the Canops. And the rest is kind of history. So... I went to Tuscarora. This is 1980? 1980. You remember your date? Because you know people be throwing up their dates like gang signs. Well, I don't have a gang sign because I don't remember the date because <laughs> I just remember crying. And I ain't too proud to say it, but I remember I was like, don't leave me here with these people. And my house father, Mr. Knopp, had a had a pickup truck. It was red. I'll never forget it because he had a rebel flag on that, it. That shit sound vivid. 
It was vivid, man. <laughs> paint, your, I mean, paint your picture, brother. Paint I your see picture. it. And so, and my mom was like, well, he's from Virginia, like Pop Pop. I was like. She was trying to sell it. She it didn't work. I was just like, <laughs> and I was like, listen, I mean, I'm out here. They got all these farms and all this grass. I'm, I was Philadelphia, bro. Who was your first roommate? Tim Eklund. Tim Eklund. Tim Eklund was my was my first roommate. Shout out to Tim Eklund. Shout out to Eklund. Tim Eklund. Tim Eklund was my man. And he was a good dude because he could have lambasted me, man. So, you know, like especially early on. <laughs> when I first got there, I was I was a wreck. Crying at night, listening to my look, tape recorder. Look, you ready so, for mine? Yeah. I don't remember the date, but it was June 1983. So I don't know what the exact date was. And so we go up there. I wasn't thinking of nothing. We we come up. I just thought we was going to Hershey Park. So we come up and we're going. I we're on a tour of this place. I just think we're checking it out. And Mr. and Ms. May told Mike Wright, go go give him a, a tour of the facility over there, recreation. I said, so I go across the thing and I'm walking with Mike Wright and I say, so tell me about these um these horses. He said, horses? He started laughing. <laughs> he said, you see them cows over there? That's your horses. I said, wait, well, what about, <laughs> I was like, what about, um, what, what about uh, 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 these limos? I keep hearing that they got limos there. Limos? Ha! <laughs> He falls back. He points over. Remember the extended? I do remember the, the wagons. Ex, the extend, extended wagons. Yeah, with like right? eight doors. So I'm looking at the extended wagon, and in the background, I see my mom pulling off in the car. And I was like, this is some bullshit. Absolutely. <laughs> Started running. You know what I mean? Don't leave me. Traumatic. I'll be good. So, so first night, my roommate is Ron Walker. I'll never forget. And I'm sitting there, and I remember laying in the bed, looking up at the ceiling. I'm a little young kid from South Jersey, and I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm like, fucking Pennsylvania, what the hell am I at? Looking, I'm like, this is some bullshit. So Ron Walker goes, yo, you, you got to do the initiation. Come over here. I'm like, oh, here we go, some bullshit. He's like, nah, nah, you just got you to gotta say something into the, into the heater. I said, all right, cool. I'm trying to be down. I don't want to cause no waves, no, you know what I mean, ruffle no feather. I get down. He's like, you got to say Emma sucks dick into the heater. I'm like, you, sh-. you know what I mean? I'm looking at him now like, look, I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> so I lean over. Emma sucks dick. He's like, oh, you cool. Everything's good. Go ahead, back to bed. Go back across the room. Go to lay down on the bed. As soon as my head hit the pillow, click, light comes on. I look up. Doug Wright standing in the doorway. Pun- punching his fist. With 12 other dudes, you know what I mean? Like tall, skinny, redhead, fat. And they all looking at me with the same pajamas on because we all had the same Everybody shit on. Everybody had the same joints. And Doug Wright goes, you talk about my mom? I look over at Ron Walker. He's like, yo, I had to, sorry, I had to set you up. And I, it was like vivid. I'm panning back over. Bang, I got caught right in the eye. <laughs> I'm in my first fight. You know what I mean? First night I'm at the milk. I'm rumbling this dude. I just said his mom sucked dick. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, the whole student home checking, they like, is this dude a yeah. pussy? So I remember the first day I went to school, I had a black eye and a fat lip, but I wasn't no bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you weren't supposed to be. You wasn't supposed to be. So that was, that was my first time. I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be interesting right here. 
So, yeah. All right. So that's the first the first story about going. I can see your brain working. Yes. Tuscarora was, was Arrowhead. Yeah, it was Arrowhead. All right. I was just. And the funny part about this is that went on for months. And I remember at some point, because I had my mind made up, I was leaving. I knew how to get to the main road. You was going to walk back to Philly. That was in my mind. I had my mind made up. And I'll never forget they when my mom and them came and brought all these clothes, they were like, you can take that home. He we got shit. brand new clothes for him here. We're gonna take him and get him brand new clothes. So I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> Where'd you go for the clothes? To the clothing room. To the clothing room. So if you come to Milton Hershey School, our boarding school, they pay for everything, right? Oh, they pay for everything. They pay for everything. So part of that is the clothing. So they got their own little mini mall. Tell, tell them about clothing fitting. So clothing fitting, you go in and they size you up. And once they size you up, they give you, they walk you to these huge bins. And they say, you can get whatever you want or you can get five shirts out of there. You can get five pair of pants out of this one. You can get five pair of pants out of this one. And so initially you're thinking, wow, I can get five pair of pants. This ain't that bad. This ain't that bad. (laughs) Right, right until you go in there and you see what the selection really is. And you talking about kid, I think I might've been 10 years old and they had button ups, short sleeve button ups. And I was like, they were like, go ahead and have your way, pick whatever you want. And I was like, now I'm cool. I have no idea (laughs) what I like here. I know we're button up before. So I was picking all kind of crazy stuff, man. I didn't realize what it was going to do later, but I was picking some random stuff. And then they took me to the pants. And they had these pants. And at the end of the day, I got four pair of pants and the only ones that wouldn't be the same pair of pants was a pair of purple corduroys. I see them. You know them joints, but I start talking about these corduroys and everything. Right. You so scratching. one day we're we were standing. I don't know why we had because we, we were in, we were in Tuscarora. We could just walk to Catherine Hall to go to school. And Catherine Hall was it was elementary school for us. Catherine Catherine. Now it's the high school, but initially Catherine Hall was. And it was middle school when I was there. Right, so middle it's changed over right, there. So, but so you going to Catherine Hall, I just want right, to tell so, so the people Catherine can picture. Hall, and I'm standing outside, well, at the end of our, outside of our student home. And I look down the way and I see two black kids, which was a big deal back then. Because I think I might have been the only dark person except for Richie Williams in my student home. And Richie Williams is my young boy. Right, right. Indian Richie, Richie Williams is Indian or from Pakistan. Yeah, I want to yeah. say Pakistan. Pakistan, actually. Yeah. But and Richie was that was my young boy. Okay. So long story short, I look down there, I see these two black dudes, and of which the 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 bigger of the two black dudes had a pair of green corduroys on, exactly like my purple ones. <laughs> 
So I felt like they got another one. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to get down there and talk to these dudes. So I mosey my way down. They kind of start walking towards me because they was like, look, it's, a, it's another one. <laughs> right. So we was few, few and far between yeah. in Arrowhead at the time. Yeah. So we get up there and I'm like, yo, man. Got the same pants on like me. So he was like, I know. So I was like, I was like, my name is Goey. What's your name? He was like, Ralph. And the other boy was like, I'm Michael. I was like, Michael and Ralph. Davis. Yep. Davis brothers. Yeah, it. man. And no, I mean, like, we somehow through the years have always been able to maintain a, a, a strong bond. I don't get to see Michael as much. He's He's a businessman. He's out yeah. doing what he does. Well, shout out to both of them. Uh, they both no doubt. from Philly as well, right? They South Philly. Two, South Philly. Two of my old heads. Yeah, you know, no Mike's doubt. The was he an attorney? What the law? No, school? no, no. Mike, I'm not sure. I know he went to Temple. And then I know he made some other moves through graduate work and everything. But Mike's a, a business executive now. I'm not familiar with him being in law. But he, he, he does Big thing, shout out to Mike Davis. Yeah, and shout, shout out, out to, to Ralph. Ralph. Ralph used to work with the shout kids. Shout out to Rollo right? McGirt. Shout out to my boy. Um, we both graduated in 87. And, um, you know, I got fine memories of them. I mean, because I feel like if it wasn't for them, especially early on, and them being in Iroquois, we would... Muncie, no, no. Muncie. Ralph was in Nanticoke. No, nah, no, he wasn't. When I was there, he was in Nanticoke. No, he wasn't, man. Because I was in Iroquois. Then he had to be in um, Muncie. Whatever. No, Muncie was seen to be. They also could have been moving around. So. No, nah, they were in the same studio. Home. It doesn't matter. Right, I can't right. remember. I'm, <laughs> I'm old now. We're going to have to have them in. Yeah, we'll hopefully. Yeah, them, but right? so long story short, we would, they would come to our student home in the summertime and stay with us. And they saved me, man, because it gave me somebody that, it gave me two guys from Philly like me. They was from South Philly, but you know we still always Philly, yeah. we always had a bond to this day, and um, so shout out to them for making that passage possible for me to make it through the initial stages of that. Well, that's why me and Warner was cool because he was from South Philly and my grandparents were from South Philly, so we had that connection as well. So, and you know, Munch is one of the things about for me this podcast is we're going to be able to have in a lot of people because a lot of people, at least from our era. We're from the Philadelphia area no in doubt. general, South yeah. Jersey, the Burbs, Delaware, whatever. So hopefully we'll be able to shout out to Harrisburg. Exactly. Yeah, New York. shout out to them, New York. You know, my boy Rec from New York, first guy I ever seen wearing a pair of Air Jordans, and he was way younger than me. Yeah. And I was like, who is this little smart mouth little fucker? The funniest, <laughs> funniest, funniest, funniest dude I ever met in my dude, life. And then shoot your lights out at the court. Like, so... I, so I remember Rec, man, and me and Rec have had some very interesting times where we bumped into one another, like on some at Boomy's dad's yeah, uh, we funeral was at, in Harlem. We was at, yeah, we was at um, Tunde Samuel's Tunde Samuel's funeral, and so I, I get a spot. Um, we all ride up from Temple, and we all, you know, we get a, we get. I get in the church, and I sit next to this brother, and I'm like, "Excuse me," and he's like, "Yeah, it's no problem." So I'm sitting there. We might have been sitting there 10 minutes before we actually looked and saw who he at one was. another. And I looked over and it was wrecked. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> and, you know, that was that was a cool thing. He, 
he's definitely somebody I'm looking forward to having on. Um, you know, he's an interesting character as a milk. Obviously, we was talking about the funniest dude I ever met in my life. And he went out to, to L.A. And a lot of people don't know. And he's probably going to kill me for saying this. But he was almost one of the cast members of um, In Living Color. He got down to like his sixth audition and he was about to be one of those guys. And um, he's going to kill me. And the way it worked then is, you know, you, you had to do your stick and everybody had to like it. So he's telling his jokes. He said he's looking across the room. Everybody's cracking up laughing. And one person in the corner is giving the, the poo-poo face like Jamie Foxx was like, no, I don't like him. Yeah, hate him man. <laughs> but so and then he was on that that show. What was the uh, what was the show that he was on? The reality TV show Survivor. Survivor. Yeah, and he went on to be a character, and he did some stuff. One TV. of the best. One, one of the best. best. I mean, yeah. Rec is one of the funniest. Yeah. But what I was gonna say is, a lot of people don't know that he got Teacher of the Year for the state of California. I think in ninety five, ninety six, and for the last twenty years of his life, he's dedicated to having his own program for young kids that don't have a father or a mother figure. Absolutely. And he's really sacrificed a lot. Um, you know being a coach and having that program, being a dad himself and, you know, being in LA as a guy from Harlem, that's a really difficult. So I'm looking forward to having him yeah, on. Shout out to my man, Rec. You know, you got mad love for me, man. Ready, Rec. Yeah, so we're gonna have Warner in too. And there's, there's a ton of people that we're looking forward to having. We're hoping to get Pete. Yeah, we, we would love to get Peter on. Well, and, um, try and make that happen. You know, our lives are made rich by true friendship. <laughs> So let's do it. What class you is, know he? What is I mean? he? 85? Yeah, Pete was two years before me. And you were 87, yeah. right? I think him and Bob, um, I see Bob's face, man. He was in there from like pre-K. Uh, oh, what's Bob's name? But uh, you know, they were all, they were in Muncie. Okay. When I was in Foxdale, Glee Club student home. So we gotta, so, we're gonna jump all over the place. Glee yeah, Club, I'm gonna stop you yeah, right there. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be in entertainment and God knows I wish I could sing, but I can't hold a note to save my life. So you being one of my old heads with, with Scott Richardson, love, shout out to Scott. We're gonna have him in at some that's point. That's one of my best friends still. The Zachary, two, shout out to Zach, Zachary. Exactly, the two of y'all can sing, yeah. like, like I don't know what. And so Glee Club was something me and Warner always inspired. Is it Mr. Alexander? Virgil Alexander. Virgil Alexander, that can you correct. tell me about what that experience was like? What was Glee Club? And what, what was it compared to like a regular singing thing at, out at like, it, church in public or something. It's a little well, you gotta understand the Glee Club was like a, a, a four part harmony uh, quartet, but it was a gang of us. But we sang mostly in four part harmony. So like that barbershop sound. So we sang. You, you don't feel like giving us a taste. Man. I'm, I'm putting you right on the spot. Cause you spot, <laughs> look, look. So, testing, so, testing, one, So anybody two, that was in three. Glee Club, anybody that was slid right Glee by Club that was, one, you see that? They know like, um, the water is wide, I cannot get o'er, and neither have I wings to fly. Give me a boat that can carry two, and both shall row. My love and I, and it goes on and on and on, but. And that's oh. why he is a goey. Yeah, so. <laughs> on cue, yeah, we don't play so. no games around here. And trust me, I did not plan on 
No, I put Dude. you on the spot, but you got <laughs> so, the pipe, so you might as well go I ahead. Was, I mean, I got lucky. I, I got lucky. Look, I ain't mean to get you off track. Glee Club, but, paint your picture. Well, I can't paint the picture of the Glee Club without painting a picture of Parent Weekend. What is Parent Weekend? So, Parent Weekend is when... It's we, a show. It's a big show that all the, you know, the students' parents get to come in, all the house parents, all the students are brought into... Uh, Founders Hall, which, which has an amazing audi- auditorium. And so my first show that I really remember, we had a gentleman by the name of Alvin White. And Alvin White is the brother of James White. And Alvin White had his own parent weekend show. So he sang songs like um, The Candyman. I don't even remember that. Well, I do. And he was singing, Who Can Take Tomorrow? You know, that kind of song. Right, right, right. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. Definitely way better than I just did that. (laughs) Um, He was at But I remember that. And then he had a song. I don't know the song, but say you say you wanted to meet the wizard. And so he had like he had this huge show. And then he was also part of the New Horizons. And so in eighth grade, I saw this and I said, I want to do that. And I don't know if I could sing or not at that point, but, but you I knew said- you was, give it a, you was gonna give it a try. So I said, you know, I saw him in the in New Horizons, which was ran by Mr. Schwamm, who became a strong mentor of that mine. That was my dude. Uh, but the New Horizons turned out some amazing acts. Uh, April Humphreys, who's- She's still a, singing a, today, I think. singer to date. Um, Alvin White, I can't name everybody. Brian Kilpatrick was our pianist and it was a gang of, Talented Bob people. Baker was the guy I was thinking about. Bobby Baker. Bob Baker. So sorry, Bob, I didn't remember for a while, but anyway. That's Bob one of my Baker. old heads too. Yeah, Bob Baker. He's sitting in the chair somewhere right yeah. now because he had bad <laughs> knees in high school. So Bob, yeah. I know you got ice on your knees somewhere right now. Yeah, so anyway, but you know, these are, some of those memories that, you know, uh, the Glee Club brought to, brought to my mind. And, you know, James White, I got to sing the, the end piece on Johnny Smoker. And that was like a big deal because- How old are you at this point? What grade? Uh, ninth grade, freshman. And Joe Piatnik, shout out to Joey. Joe Piatnik. Um, Joe Piatnik was, um, he really did that most of the time. And so I got the opportunity. He was sick or something. He, laryngitis. I don't know. So I got to do Johnny Smoker. And that goes on. And James White comes and smacks Just the crush, dog shit out of me. And, and this, is, this is in front of the whole school, man. I thought he knocked me out. I was laying on the ground and, I, and they had to come get me because, and I never forgot that, James White. <laughs> I want you to know that. But, um, you know, that's my this 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 is the stuff, man. It yeah, make you step so, up. You know what I mean? Yeah, step your so, game up. Yeah. Look, I as we're jogging down memory lane and we're talking about these things, Glee Club and Founders Hall and Catherine Hall and, and some of these names, um, you know, that that's what this is about. This podcast is gonna be about painting a picture for the people that are out there. Hopefully they're gonna be checking in with us down the road. Yeah, I hope so. Um we got a. Uh, Twitter account and the Instagram account and the Facebook account and all that stuff coming. 
Uh, I'm going to have Warner jump on a little bit and he's going to tell us what those are. And uh, hopefully you folks out there will be able to check in with us as, as we do this podcast and, and grow it. We want to grow it with you. So, um, yeah, I'm a double back. I'm a double all the way back. OK. I wanted to talk about your military experience when I was saying <clears throat> Milton Hershey school to me was like being in jail, the military and college rolled in one. I didn't go to the military after Milton Hershey school. And this is please don't get mad at me, military people, but I know I could have did it because Milton Hershey school trained you to deal with that kind of stuff. So from day zero. So I wanted to do it, but I was tired of somebody telling me where to be. You know and what I mean? You didn't want to join the military. I didn't want to join and the military. And I, I know it was from, from knowing you all these years, you definitely I wouldn't. I'm too much you of a, you know, be. I'm a gypsy. You are. But, but tell me about your experience. When did you sign up? What branch are you, can you tell the people about? Um, I joined the United States Army. Um, and one of my good friends, dear friends, one of my best friends as well. You know, I always tell everybody, when that's my cousin. He's really not my cousin at all. That's Gordon Reed. Munch, for yeah. everybody who doesn't know. But Munch was like, go, I'm joining the military. And I was like, what? So I wound up going down South Philly with him. He was going to the recruiter. And so I went with him. And next thing you know, I was, he was, I was signing up. up as well. Is this right after the milk? Right, like within a year, okay. give or take. And uh, so. How long were you in the Army? I just recently got out. Well, I, I thought did, you were I in the did National Guard. The reserves. Reserves. Still the Army reserves. Uh-huh. But I did four active duty years, and uh, Munch and I were both stationed in Germany together. I didn't know that. Munch was in Bamberg, I was in Munich, and we tried to get together. I can't tell you this when I was doing music. I had records out over there. Munch, I mean, I was doing a lot of different things. I was fortunate. I landed in Munich, and Munch was in the Blue Babe. I he was in Bamberg. I can't remember the outfit. I know it was Charlie Company, mm-hmm. just not sure. But um, we would get together a lot, and it, it made being away from home so much easier. I'm sure it felt comfortable. It felt good, and so easy to navigate. And, and I had, I kind of had carte blanche to the city of Munich. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was there knows me; they know who it is. So I think we're getting serenaded by yeah, I don't know what Rock the Bells, or I don't know what's happening there. But um, but yeah, it was you know. So anyway, long story short, I. I Joined the military, 1988, and I left uh, 20 January 1988 for basic. Okay, but it was like I had the blueprints because I was writing Munch, Munch was writing me, so everything I was that was gonna happen, I kind of had the heads up on, and it, it it was like the milk. You had to make your bed. I already knew how to make a bed. The military is gonna show you their way, of course. But um, shout out to all the military yeah, folks out there. Out. All the milks I mean, that went on to it's a lot of it's a lot of career. I know Chuck Seidel. Yeah, Chuck Seidel. Uh, I'd love to have they, Chuck on. Yeah, Chuck, great guy, hey, Air Cindy. Force man. He recently retired active duty the whole time. And is he a what, is he a colonel general? He, I think he was a colonel. I don't want to tell a story, but Chuck Chuck made some rank while he was in. Very proud of my military guys. Um, yeah, man. Whether you did two years or or thirty years or whatever. You know, shout out to my military veterans. Absolutely. And the ones that are still serving, thank you for your service. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I was fortunate. I I was able to get in, spend a lot of time between the Army Reserves and the active duty Army uh, with deployments and uh, mobilizations, various places in the United States and abroad. 
And do you feel like you you gravitate towards that structure? Because right now you're a detective up at Temple. Yeah, I work for Temple Police. (laughs) Shout out to Temple Police. I'm just saying it seems like that that's always been easy to you. You know what I mean? That structure. Well, it's not about the structure so much as I feel like it was easier for me to because when you when you come out of the active duty military, you have to reacclimate. And it's it's interesting. So I was fortunate enough where I got a, a, an opportunity to kind of be around quasi military organization. And I use that term very loosely. But, you know, you got on this uniform, so to speak, which I haven't worn since 1998. Don't ever plan on putting a uniform on again. Shout out to TUPD if you hear me. Um, but, you know, I've been fortunate. I go to work. I wear my own personal clothing. And But how much did that Milton Hershey influence that transition or did it? Well, I'm going to say that it had to. I was fortunate, though. I've been very fortunate. I'm, I am, you know, I, I would say I would give a shout out to the Canops who actually – you know, reinforce some of the things that my my mother did, and 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 Mr. Grimm, who allowed me to be myself. Uh, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah. You're naming all these people, but the people don't know what they are. So I, I'm what sorry. Their jobs I said, were. I'm sorry. I said earlier the Canops were my house parents in Tuscarora. And what's a house parent? And the house parents are kind of like your your adult, your parents. They're your parents. Whether we like to say that or not, that's who they are. And they reinforce the rules and they reinforce whatever lifestyle that they want to have in their house, in their house. So they're your parental folks. And how big was the student home? A lot of times I I go back and try and explain, you know, I think we had 14. We had 14 in our house. I'm going to bring it all the way back. Right. I'm going to say some stuff. And if you see you see or hear anything, you let me know. So sure. the school was compromised, or at least at the time when we were there, structured as junior division, which was K through four, intermediate division, which was fifth grade through eighth grade, and then senior division, which was nine through 12. So those you were one of those three divisions. Um, and I know when junior division, a lot of the people, because I wasn't there in junior division, but when a lot of the kids were there in junior division, they had boys and girls in the same student homes. Um, so it was a little bit more intermingled because they're still, uh, you know, they're young still kids, young enough. Young kids, exactly. Yeah, sure. Where you come up to intermediate division, we had clusters. Absolutely. And yeah. clusters comprised of what, five to seven student homes? Yeah, I would say at least that, somewhere in that. And I think the majority of them were uh, boys' student homes, and then you would have about four or five boys' student homes, and then about two girls' two student girls, homes. Two girls, yeah, give roughly. Two just to give you a gauge of what we're talking about. Right. Um, and then my student home, each one was different, but the one I was in, Iroquois, was 14 kids. So there were seven rooms um, with two kids per room and then a set of house parents. Sometimes house parents had kids or animals or whatever, and they lived with us 24-7 um, round the clock. They had their own apartment attached to the house, but they still took care of us. Um, and then we would have substitute house parents every other weekend um, which would come in and give the regular house parents a break yeah then i'm gonna go a little bit further so the structure of the year uh calendar wise 
if I remember correctly, was you got five days to go home on Thanksgiving vacation. I believe it was 12 days for Christmas vacation, 10 days for Easter vacation. And then at the time when I was there, it was 30 days in the summer between June 6th and August 31st. Unless you were smart. Unless you were smart or you, you did extra you chores. You got you them extra. You saved a life or something. Exactly. Then you got a chance to go home, which I never saved any lives. And I wasn't exceptionally smart at the time. Look. Which is probably not exceptionally smart now, but. Man, I I get up at five o'clock in the morning with uh, Martin Buzzes would make me get up with him and Longmeads and help birth calves so I could get extra credit so that I could go home extra time in the summer. I actually didn't think about going home extra time, but Mr. Bushby was our dairyman. And what was the dairyman? Dairyman took care of the barn. What barn? Explain it to the, the people. Listen, they don't listen, know. They don't listen, know. I'm going to be honest with you. You're you good at the coloring, so I'm going to let you color it in. <laughs> you break it down the barn for me. You can talk about the lot and scraping the stuff and the cows and all. You, you're doing good. So I remember being a young bull, right? Right. In an intermediate division, I got there fifth, sixth grade. Yes, indeed. And we realized when you went up to senior division at, at this time. Word up. They had barns. A barn was a dairy farm, straight up dairy farm with like 20 to 50 cows, depending on how big your barn was. And two student homes would combine to take care of that barn. And when I say take care of that barn, I'm talking five o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the afternoon. It don't matter if there's a blizzard. It don't matter if it's 110 degrees outside. Them cows got to get milked. They got to get fed. And that shit got to get scraped up. As a matter of fact, as soon as it get hot out, get your little bandana and all that. And we're going to see that you up there. Straw. Stack that hay and straw. Handle, Trust and believe. Handle that. And being in the Glee Club student home for the first year of senior division for me, uh, we were fortunate that we didn't have to go to barn early on. Must have been nice. It was nice for a short minute till they painted my room you green. And I knew that we were going to transform into a female student home. And we knew that when they brought in a little calf barn. And so with that being said, we would get picked if we hadn't, if you didn't get the whole summer, then what you got to be is the backup for the student homes that didn't have enough people to stack hay and straw. So we could stack hay and straw four or five times a summer with different student homes. Uh, shout out to Darren Green who bust me in the back of the head with a bale of hay in 1980-something. I ain't forgot you, D. I, but we still cool. I remember we cool. I'm just saying I'm, my memory's strong. I know. it's it's just I like to tell people that I worked on a dairy farm just to see the reaction. Yeah. Because people assume too little. And with milts, I don't know if any of y'all milts out there have ever experienced this. People people sell you for short. They don't know what we know. They don't know what we've seen. They don't know what we've experienced. But when you start talking about a dairy barn and, and you start breaking down mastitis. Colostrum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Real <laughs> real dairyman-ish. Yeah. Strip cup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Butterfat content. Silage. Let's talk about yeah, it. They don't know. Shout out to Willowwood, Crest Lane, best barn for several years. We always went roller skating and to the farm show on the house. We got to do that. So, switch another lane. Let's do it. I want to talk about, 
I want to ask you a question. Do you think you could ever send your kid? Absolutely not. To Milton Hershey School. Why? Because my kids were fortunate enough to have a good dad. And I, if, I don't know if, if not going to the milk would have made me as responsible or feel the need that my children need to have and know who I am and be in my presence. And I can, whether I did good or bad, I was there. And so that's, that's where I look at it. So shout out to Orlando and Zania, my children and Steve. I'm good. So they know who I am. Well, I'm, I'm still on the clock. I'm a little behind you, but I, that's exactly my whole thing is, is just being there is more than half the battle. Nothing else matters. So that's what Milton Hershey taught me, that, that absence, which I wouldn't want to have it any other way, to be honest with you, because I try and explain to people, you know, when I say I went to school with somebody, your first thought is, oh, school. Yeah, you, you homeroom. You guys had seventh period together. Nah, no, we, we had everything. We had everything together. We fought together. We ate together. When it was uh, vacation time for me, I would go. I wouldn't go home. I would go stay at. Other people, other people's yeah, shout moms. Out to Zach and, again, Zachary <laughs> Robinson. We was we uh, did some good things, and and I can't. I forgot a guy who I probably haven't talked to in ages, but Azar, you know who you are, Kirk Azar Lewis. Uh, light skin Kirk. Yeah, light skin Kirk. <laughs> light skin Kirk. He can sing. I remember Kirk. Light skin Kirk. Uh, I get a shout out, man. You know, and he Air Force guy. And, and um, is do you think it's true, or can I can I say you could not see a milk for twenty thirty years and get together with him and not miss a beat? I'm right back on mom jokes. Paul like, has like, a narrow shout out, my young boy. Actually, Paul, I owe you a call. So Raz, <laughs> shout out, can't forget you. If I'm forgetting anybody, you know it's not intentional. Well, and I don't want to talk about. And if you get forgotten, you know what? Else. Check in. Don't don't yeah, don't feel no at, kind of way. Don't get it. sensitive. This this is about all of us. In yeah. in a perfect world, we'll all, we'll be able to get all of you on to tell your story, because that's what this is about. Shout out to my young boy Mike Truisi, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> Mike Truisi. Mike Tro, I never forgot you, bro. That's my old head right there. Michael Tro. That um, was um traumatic. Um, very for me. I mean, we. I remember. I don't even remember if I was still on the milk, but I remember about five of us rode in Munch's. Munch had a Honda Civic, I think. And it was five milks in the Honda Civic riding Ohio. Oh, to? To Ohio. Youngstown, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm going to stop you. Can you tell everybody who Mike Troisi was and what happened? Mike, Mike Troisi was the baby of three Troisis. Richard, Christopher, and Michael. And they were mobsters, gangsters from Youngstown, Ohio, Italians, if you couldn't tell. Um, shout out to Miss Troisi, got love for you too. Gave me my first knockoff Gucci t-shirt for free. I needed that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but who was Mike and what Mike, happened? Mike was the baby of the bunch. Mike was just so cool. He was a laid back dude. Everybody loved Mike. I don't. I he don't was the know. Coolest. Everybody loved Mike. Yeah, he was just that guy. So, um, Mike, Mike got sick. I want to say it was leukemia or something, something that took him away from here way too soon, and it was devastating for. I want to say everybody. Anybody who shout out to Michael Bolt, 
another one who was in class of 87 was going away. He was on his way to Hershey Park. I forgot about him. Fell down and died. Gentle Giant. Mike Bolt was probably six, seven or six, eight. Um, food service. Shout out to food service. Steve Caesarine. I'm thinking of all you guys. Um, if he, and we're gonna double back and talk about all these. He's all over the place. I'm all over the place because I just, food service. What you know what I mean? It, uh, our school had a lot of stuff that other schools didn't have back in early '80s, mid '80s. We had an auto division, a printing shop. We had a horticulture, uh, electricity, electricity, plumbing. You know, yeah. all of those things. We had a Olympic. Mr. Garmin, Mr. Hogarth. Shout out to you. <laughs> Probably not even still here, but a shout out anyway. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All, all those dudes were influential <laughs> to us. But they, they we'll double allowed, back. We'll talk they about all that. Actually, allowed stuff. me to spend a lot of time not being in their shop. So what shop was? What were you in? Food service. That's shout funny. out to the food service guys. You know who you are. My yep. boy Courtney. Yeah. Cakes. Yeah, Courtney. Courtney, you remember me? <laughs> My young boy, Willowwood. So Chris Maher, I was just bringing up. We were doubling back and talking about the military and. Chris Maher, uh, who graduated with you? Negative. He he uh, actually graduated. So you slipping in the military tongue already? Six, eighty six, eighty six. Okay. Yeah, I think he graduated eighty six. But I know he just dropped a, a book, and I was saying, you know, with the military thing, I, I remember you telling me a story about you guys being at the Denny's up on City Line Ave or something. Was it? Yeah, the story goes long before Denny's, and so it's a lot of us. There was a lot of us. Pete Small was. Was probably there. What's up, Pete? Pete, Mark Riggleman. Shout out to Mark Riggleman. Um, it was, it was a few other guys who, at this moment, I can't really remember. But where you at? What you doing? So we had been out South Street. I got to tell the South Street story. So we're right. we're at Fizos, right? That's South Street, right? Philos, my Philos. Yeah, we we're at my I'm place. surprised you weren't there. I was there. So, I just don't remember what the so hell happened. We're. So this is, this is before they had the no smoking indoors type thing. So we're all standing there, and we're in a, you know we're in a group talking, laughing, and it's this beautiful Asian girl, beautiful, and so the girl is smoking a cigarette, and Chris walks over to the girl because she's kind of in our group, so he walks over to the girl. She says, "Listen, I'm here with my friends. I'm from out of town. I don't get around a lot." He takes a cigarette out the girl's mouth, drops it on the floor and steps on it and says, and none of us smoke. With a straight face. With a, the death look, it wasn't a straight face. Dead ass. And I would appreciate it if you didn't light up another one. Thank you. Still with the Navy SEAL there. And then he says, I'm trying to have a good time and enjoy my friends. And turned his back to her. The girl was. She didn't light up, did she? Not at all. I didn't think so. Matter of fact, I was I was devastated and I didn't have anything to do with it. So let's fast forward to Denny's now. Some of these things had happened a few different times this evening. So we're at the Denny's and there's some neighborhood young men sitting at the table. And at the time, he still has him now, but Chris had some thick dreadlocks. You know, I don't know what it is when people get out of the military, they grow these crazy beards and they grow their hair however they want. So Chris grew some thick dreadlocks. So the young men at the other table started having fun with the way Chris looked. Cause you know, Chris is light skinned, but he had these thick dresses. It was like- How, How'd that play out? Not very well. 
not very well. So they were like, look at this Ziggy Marley looking motherfucker sitting over there. And they was laughing and talking and shit. So finally, Chris, I guess this went on for like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And Chris had ignored him for a while. So we're in that that U-shaped table. The so, big joint. Yes. And so Chris stands up in on in that like bench and stands on our table and then stands over to their table. He's standing on their table, then crouches down and he's looking at the guy that was talking. So wait, what are you thinking at this point though? That's what I <laughs> It was, I had a whole lot of thoughts and right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I wonder how many of those guys got guns. And I'm thinking maybe all of them. It's probably three o'clock in the morning, sitting so line It was late, yeah. it was late in the, it was a strange thing. So bring so, it back. He's crouching down. Yeah, he's we, we he's back looking in at the guy eye to eye, but he's he's like like bending down, like stooping towards the guy, and he's looking at him. And Chris is locked in on this guy's eyes, and he says to him, "I'm here from out of town. I'm enjoying my friends. Right now, you're hindering me from enjoying myself any further." because some of the remarks you're making. Oh, man. If you continue, I promise you things will get dark for you. He said dark. Do I make myself clear? Thank you. You reaching for your thing at this point? Uh, uh, at this point, my, my, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm like, everybody, it was all of us. It, it, no, there was not a peep made from either table. Yeah, I'm sure everybody was like. He stood hmm. up. Stood back over on our table and sat down and just continued conversation. So anyway, I was I was like, nobody said anything about it. As if it I didn't don't think happen. I personally don't think that anybody has ever talked about that. It, again, you called me the next day and well, told I me that to story you about it, but I didn't talk to anybody that night because y'all had just left Philo's and you told me that story. Shout out to Chris. Shout Chris, out. man. <laughs> Yo, who's, who's, One time for Chris. We're going to have you on because we want to hear about the book. And he's very and maybe grounded that story now. is in there, too. He's very grounded now. He's very, he started the Meridian, he was part of the Meridian stretch. I'm not, I'm not sure if anybody else is, but if you look at that, him and Mark Riggleman are in the book. Yeah, Riggs. Um, yeah, shout out to Muscle Mark. I just got off texting him. Yeah. He yelled at me for Work not out, coming bro. up. Yeah. Work out to your 80. Uh, pull-ups, uh, deadlifts. Uh, he's also got one of my young boys, Jonas Elliott, involved in that madness. Yeah, Jonas, that's yeah, Warner's so young boy. CrossFit, fit cross, all day. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to welcome Warner Williams. We're gonna have him come Warner. on in a little bit. Yeah, he's over there just being my son. So I just <laughs> young boy. But I, I got to give you my Chris Maher story. It, it's not as 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 crazy as that. But I, I was in um. California, and uh, I was up in Santa Cruz or San Francisco with my boy Lee. We was driving cross country. I don't know. We drove from San Francisco down to San Diego. Um, I don't know, it's like eight hours drive, ten hours. Something. It's a long drive. We've been in the car all day. We look up the thing. The roots are playing in San Diego, so we're like, yo, we're gonna go. We're gonna make it to San Diego tonight. We're gonna go to the show. We're driving eight, ten hours, whatever it was. We get down there, pull up in the parking lot. Hustling so we can catch the show, and I hear Jackie Stroman. I said, "Oh, shit. I'm ha- I'm on the other side of you know what I mean the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. Just drove all the way across the state, and I hear my government name. I says, it's either about to go down, or we got friends.' So I look over, and it's Chris, 
and we wound up going into the show and having a good time. He was like, you got somewhere to stay? I was like, nah, he's like, stay with me. And you know, like uh, like a true milk show, yeah, a lot of love. love. We squatted with him yeah. and he put us on to some sprouts and avocados the next morning. That's and, him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Had me feeling very unhealthy. Him and Mark. <laughs> did you eat something green today, Go? Yeah. No, I did not. I did not. So real quick, I'm, I'm in Mauritania, Africa, which is clearly the other side of the world. In the service? In the military. There's no other way anybody else goes there. I'm in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Africa hot, literally. Flies everywhere. So I'm talking, and and mind you, I'm with a SOCOM outfit, which is Special Operations Command. So basically you're out there with a bunch of the Army and whoever's lunatics of the world. Navy SEALs are out there. We're training other militaries. That's that. So I'm talking, being MPs, we weren't really, you know, up to their standards of being SOCOM. So we were just there and they didn't know what we were doing. And so they were kind of offended, I think, that we were there, more especially as a reservist. So I'm talking to a young man. He's a Navy SEAL, like he's a big deal guy. And so we're talking and he says, I say to him, I said, you know, one of my, one of my good friends is a Navy SEAL. And he says to me out of his mouth, everybody's got a friend that's a Navy SEAL. I said, maybe they do, but. <laughs> okay, so I said, story. <laughs> so I said, but I do. He says, yeah, well, who do you know that's a Navy SEAL? I said, you know every Navy SEAL? <laughs> well, pretty, I've been pretty. around for a long time and I'll probably recognize. I said, well, name's Chris Maher. Dude's whole thing changed. He dropped his shift. The whole shift. So here's the story. They went to Buds together, which is like, you know, the the program to to gain entry into the Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. So I wind up linking the two of them up. Now he's my friend. Yeah. But guess who's not interested in being friends with him? This guy. Right. So <laughs> Kick rocks. I could care less about you, bro. And yeah, somebody else doesn't. You're not the, just, like I feel like certain people that he get they get caught up. And some people do tell stories about, you know, like they were once Navy SEALs, but not really. But to say you were doing something like that is, is extreme disrespect to the Navy SEALs. Cause if you weren't, you, you don't even need to be telling that kind of lie at all. Because They'll see you. Well, I, the person that you're telling is going to see you because they are extreme, extreme individuals. And I'll leave it at that. So, so Chris, we're going to have to have you on because we'd like to hear some. Um, Shout out to uh, White House. White Horse. What, what is his name? White Horse. Uh, White Horse McCoy. White Horse McCoy. My main man. Just dropped a, a book. Dropped a novel and he's got some gems on. Uh, you can listen to it. He's got like about a five minute hit of his thoughts on stress I'd listen to anything he had to say give it up to him so I want to switch up all right welcome back so we're here at the milk podcast first ever with our third host and third partner Warner Williams your mom's in my business see everybody got jokes (laughs) (laughs) so Warner and I um have been pretty much best friends since we were about 10 11 years old and went to the milk together and we are still tight so you know, uh, part of the culmination of this project has been Warner staying on me and and Agoe and and all of us 
trying to have a forum for people to talk about their experience at the Milt. More specifically, can you tell us your story? What When did you go to Milton Hershey School? Where are you from originally? Originally from Philly. Um, I went to Milton Hershey in 1981 as a fourth grader. Um, my mom just said that there's a school that uh, you can ride in limos. <laughs> see, see, there go that limo lie again I told you about earlier. You can ride horses, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, me and my sister, we didn't have a father. So we, we, we went to go check it out and I got accepted right away. My sister wasn't accepted until about four years later because they weren't accepting girls at the time. And uh, so I stayed there from 81 to 90 Indeed. and graduated. Do you remember that process, what it was like? Any of the first memories? I know that there was a test. I don't particularly remember the test exactly. Uh, I heard I did well. <laughs> <laughs> you must have. They gave you, know? you some free clothes. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, I heard I had a decent IQ. Um, the only thing I do remember is the first day there, they took the clothes that I came with and then gave me some generic stuff for the school. You know, some uh, Gant pants. Some Gants, <laughs> exactly. Some well, Stacy Adams sneakers. and Ago he was talking about his famous corduroys earlier, so everybody's got a story about uh, clothing fitting and that yeah. experience and what that was like. And It was weird because you were kind of like you were, it was the first time you ever got fitted for clothes, like or at least I got fitted for clothes in the sense of being at a store and somebody else trying clothes on you rather than you trying your own clothes on kind of thing. They sizing you up and everything. Yeah. You in front of the big mirror. Yeah, you like, I'm you know, somebody. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I got to wear this, <laughs> you know. Um, but it was cool, you know. Um, and my first student home was Revere. Okay. Who was in that student home with you? Uh, I want to say Amal was there, but he wasn't there for very long. Amal Pitts. Um, I remember Mike McKee, Mick McKick and the Flea mm -hmm. Bike crew. What up? <laughs> uh, Brian Day. Um... Christina Lagonis, I remember she was there. Um, oh, and the Clark brothers, um, Coleman Clark and Brian Clark, they were both there. Shannon know. Gifford was there, Shannon Chris Motes. Gifford. Chris Motes, yeah. Um, and, it, and that was back in the day when they used to uh, integrate the student homes where they had uh, girls and guys. In, in junior homes. division. In junior division. In the same student homes. In junior division. <laughs> Gotta make that known. They was... <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they're still innocent. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We shall see. Um, I, that's all I, I, I can remember that was at the student home then. And we had the salts. Now, according and, to what- And, and who, who were they? The salts. Uh, I forget what, their no, last- What were they? Oh, they were slave drivers. <laughs> that's what they were called. They're called slave drivers. Okay, so now we're getting into the meat and potatoes. You guys want to hear the real stories? This, this, is, what we, this is how we talk. So- we weren't he in what's called parents. A, yeah, they're house parents. Yeah, yeah, but what we good. the student home that I was in was not considered what it was either a hotel or it was a uh, or you're in a slave unit kind which, of thing. Which meant what? Where you were just at work all the time. You, you were know, doing extra chores all, all time. All kinds of extra hotel, chores. You got some kind of house parent just giving you candy yeah. and taking you on trips. Yeah, and no, doing fun stuff. Yeah, we didn't do any of that. The salts were real salt tea, like for real. Um, there's a couple of people that are still looking for the salts now. Anyway, <laughs> not me, but um, so we would work a lot. You know what I mean? And I didn't know anything different. You know, this is my first student home. So I'm just like, I'm Chores. happy to be in that thing that they call a limo out there. You know what I mean? I'm which, happy to have my own. Really a... It was really a station wagon with go. four doors on both sides is what it was. Um, 
and then the station wagon, station wagon, the hatchback in the back. I just want to say, Milton Hershey, whoever was in charge <laughs> of the marketing department back then, these they, look, you need Stop to cut lying. it out. That's some bullshit. You had us all out there thinking we were getting the limos. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a horse in sight. <laughs> no, no horses, just cows, just yeah. cows. All right, so you left junior division and you went up to intermediate division. Yeah, in the intermediate division, I was in uh, Wiser for all my four years in intermediate division. Um, I had At first, I had um, the Grams. There's a story behind them. I won't get into we'll, it. That's, we'll we'll come back there. to it. I just kind of um, want to give them an overview. And then I had the, the Swartzes. Okay. And our paired student home was Stiegel. And then we were right next to um, National Cluster, which was Washington. So we used to mix it up with them. And I remember the, uh, the boy, Mike Troisi, was in Washington. So we used to always rock with him. Shout out to Mike and all the Troisis. What up, Mike? R.I.P., dude. R.I.P. Yeah, we actually was talking about Mike uh, briefly earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that experience for all of us as, as, as kids dealing with that and who Mike was. You know. I was actually in this, the health center right before he got moved to the uh, med center. And we was roommates, and I mean, he was still Mike. You know what I mean? He knew what was going on, but he was still Mike. He was like the coolest dude I ever seen. Yeah, you know what I mean? He absolutely was. Um, but you know, and then you know it happened. So yep. But. Well, we're gonna do a whole thing on Mike Troisi. So uh, you know, I think it's only fitting he he touched all of us. And so, just so you know, out there at some point we're gonna be talking about Mike Troisi. We'll probably do a whole episode on him. Yeah. Um, and speaking of episodes. Warner, can you tell us some of the people who you are looking forward to interviewing and some of the stuff you want to talk to them about? Oh, well, first off, my house parents, or at least who I still keep in contact with, are the Campbells. They were there since I graduated, which was back in 19. <clears throat> um, <laughs> you ain't that old. And they're still there now. And even my kids know. Um, so you'd so like I to want, I'd like them. to interview them because they've been there through the changes from when we were there, when we were milking cows, to what it is now. Um, also, I'd like to interview Deisha Dyer, Dryer, Dyer, Dyer, Dyer. My bad, Deisha. You know I love you. Um, <laughs> and why she? What, what do you, well, she you should... she was the social secretary for Obama in the White House, and she went to the Milton. She's still just people to me, you know. Good people. Yep. Good people. Um, we talked about uh, Randy Whitney. I think Randy sure. would be a fantastic interview. Um, and I was explaining to you. Uh, Randy's going to be great because his not only did his brother go to Milton Hershey School, his older brother, his father went to Milton Hershey School, and Pop Reale was his house father. Pop no, Price. Pop Price, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Um, Pop Price was his house father. And the interesting thing about Randy Whitney is, if I'm correct, he went to Milton Hershey School at the age of three. I know he was in kindergarten. Yeah, I think he was one of, if not the youngest uh, kid to go to the Milton Hershey school and you know at three that that that's your concept of family right you know is is, is pretty trippy uh, kind of reinforces what we talk about when we say we're all family and some of us were the only family we know right. you know so um definitely want to have Randy and then Pop Price was actually a student when Mr. Hershey was alive is that See, I didn't know that I believe so I could be wrong and we'll, we'll sink our teeth into this when we go down there but I thought that was a really cool way of bringing it full circle from now and taking it back to uh, Mr. Hershey, you know, when he founded the the uh, the school. Right. So, um, anybody else you looking forward to interviewing? Pop Price was one of my Pop Price, people. Okay. Uh, Mr. Whitman, he was a, a principal. Uh, Amal Pitts is another fantastic. Uh, he's he actually made it throughout the whole 
his whole career. He knows no other school but Milton Hershey. Mm-hmm. He started in kindergarten and he went all the way through 12th grade. Yeah, he's, he's a lifer. So that's crazy. Um, Doug Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> It would be nice I'd to, like to have him too. Almost Philadelphia mayor. Doug, Almost. Make some time for us. Stop playing. Yeah, seriously. And can I get my uh, gas bill taken care of? Too? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Yeah, I would love to have you down here, though. Yeah, for sure. Electric yeah. company, gas. I'll take any kind of love you, you can give, Doug. <laughs> okay? Love you. Follow us on Instagram at milk underscore podcast. Or Facebook, milk space pod. Twitter, milk underscore podcast. And at email, milkpodcast at gmail.com we encourage you to follow us on our social media outlets and chime in and comment ask questions help us remember names places events just give feedback but most of all just get engaged we want to hear from you your mom's already there